Greetings, and welcome to the 80 Level Roundtable Podcast. In each episode, host Kirill Tokarev invites video game industry leaders to talk about the world of game development. No topic is off limits as long as it relates to video game development. New episodes are in the works, so remember to follow us or subscribe and share with someone you know will also enjoy the podcast. We want to talk a little bit about a very interesting topic of music and games. Actually, this is not something that is covered uh, extensively, and uh, it feels like often this the topic of kind of working on your music and working and composing and building a soundtrack is something that you do after you build the game, right? So this is more like an afterthought for a lot of developers. So hopefully yeah. our conversation is going to fix that and that people will start thinking about it earlier. But yeah, that's before we... before we kind of go into the nitty gritty, um, can you do like a little introduction, Christopher and Andres? Tell us a little yeah. bit about your company. How long have you been doing this? What's your background and that kind of stuff? Yeah, I will try to make it uh, short. Uh, <laughs> there's a long story, but I'll make it short. Uh, I'm a composer, uh, and uh, I started do my, my first gig as a composer for for games was um, back in was it 2013 or something like that. Uh, and um, having an education in um, direct music producer um, earlier, I, I thought that th- this was going to be a real awesome, cool, adaptive uh, game music. And we were three composers. And I realized it was kind of a, an awakening for, for me to see that, okay, we're not talking, we're not thinking about adaptive music at all. We're just doing uh, really great symphonic music with a sy- real symphonic orchestra, but it has nothing to do with the game. So at uh, at that point, I decided to do th- something about this. And I I made uh, demos, and I I needed a prototype, so I called Philip Benefal, my co-founder of this uh, company, that actually made a prototype that we showed for for uh, uh, Arrowhead, uh, that was making a Warner Brothers game uh, called Gauntless, and we didn't know much about uh, how how things were going <laughs> with the engine and so. And suddenly we just got a call and I said, yeah, we're on E3 now and everyone can play the game and so on. And we were like, okay. And and uh, does the, the engine, uh, it, it didn't break? <laughs> and they said, no, I, I think it's it's the only thing that ha- hasn't broken down yet in this game is, is your en- engine. And that was kind of the, the start for Elias Software. So then we knew that we need to make a company out of this. So we started uh, the company uh, around 2014-15 and um, um, focused entirely on adaptive game music uh, with, you could say it was mainly my thoughts of how how the tech needs to be uh, for a truly adaptive score. Uh, for me, I realized that there's no tech at all out there that, that can do this. So we did the Elias 1, 2, and 3, and so on. And we were a small startup. Uh, recently, we got funded, and we're growing really fast. And I don't know, Andreas, when you jumped on, was it on? Uh, was it like three years ago, four years ago? 
Uh, late 2017, uh, yeah. I, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, so there, it, it's been a little while. Yeah, because there's a story. My, my co-founder, Philip, is kind of a programmer genius, number one. And now we have Andreas, programmer genius, number two. <laughs> so Philip was uh, making uh, games for blind people uh, since he's blind himself. And uh, quite early in this company, we re realized that we don't only have to solve the tech, the possibilities, and so on. We don't. Uh, that's of course uh, number one, but we also need to uh, change the whole workflow. How you? We need to bring back the control to the composer, and so on. And that is why I really needed Andreas to not only for the for the ui and so on but but more he's more uh, familiar of course with the graphical uh, ui and and uh, all of that 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 philip really can't uh do <laughs> Since oh, uh, uh, christopher andreas thank you for the intro before we kind of go into like the software itself mm -hmm. can you explain maybe uh the difference so if there is like an adaptive music and then there is a uh, music that you see like in a in your demo you have like music from marvel films so yeah it, what is the difference between music in a in a movie basically and a mo and um music music piece in a game like how are they different what are like the main things that kind of differentiate here yeah uh, for me it is, it's like um uh, when you see a movie when you score a film for for instance you can do it extremely detailed and you as a composer you can really strengthen all the feelings uh in the movie um i often say that that if if people asks asks about the music after they've seen a movie and uh oh, yeah what do you think of the music and and that other guy says oh, was it music in the in the film then that's the goal <laughs> that's the aim and uh, then then you know that you have succeeded uh, in games, that has never been the case, sadly, <laughs> because the tools you ha you have uh, for, for putting music in games has been so uh, almost only relied on on crossfades and things like that. Re really, um, what do you call it? Uh, not to detail. You don't have the detail, and so with Elias, I, the things that I wanted to to solve was. One thing, for instance, uh, motifs. I like. I love motifs in in movies. I love, um, uh, yeah. When you look at, I don't know, Star Wars and Darth Vader and enters the, it, the... Christopher. Explain what is a motif, like so yeah. the the audience really understands. Yeah. So motif. If you think of a, a scene in Star Wars where you already have music, there's music going on, and then Darth Vader enters the scene. Then his theme will work on top of the already written score so his ba 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 bo ba ba bo ba ba will work of course because it's super easy to do that in a movie <laughs> but what happen if if you're in a game and you have the music and you don't know how the the player will play the, this game so you you really don't know when Darth Vader is going to enter so I thought uh, this was kind of the holy grail for me to solve. 
And we did this quite early in the lives with something we called tonal motifs. And you have uh, versions of the motifs that will work on different places in the music. And But from the programmer's perspective, it's they just print, play Darth Vader, <laughs> to simplify it. And Elias will take care of the rest. The, the engine will choose the right version and so on. So, so this is one thing. The other thing is when I teach composing for, for film, uh, there's one thing that is very common and you do Mickey Mousing. It's like when, when you comment too much of the film, and the reason the the term uh, the name is Mickey Mousing is, if you look at the old Pluto films and so on, when every, every step Pluto takes has a trombone or something like that, it, so when he walks, it's like wop 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 wop, and that is an effect. But if you do it in a in another movie, it wouldn't it wouldn't work in like Inception or whatever movie. Uh, uh, then it's it's an error. Uh, and then you talk about, oh, no, it became Mickey Mouse in here. Uh, in games, I've never heard of that because it's so hard to do it. So when I, when I talk about making music for games and, and people say, oh, what about, isn't it going to be too much Mickey Mouse if, it, if, if the music is adaptive? I often say, well, call me when that happens because then we, we've reached the goal. <laughs> then, then we know mm -hmm. we have to back a bit. So, so, um, so it's it's the main difference with writing music for a movie or for a game is that a movie is linear. It's actually easy. Anyone can make music for for a movie. Actually, uh, for a game, you have to rely on on the tech. You have to think completely different because the story isn't played yet. Yeah. So I I think this is a. My next question is more like uh, for Andreas, but uh, feel free to kind of mm -hmm. contribute together. So the adaptive music is something that actually developers were trying to do in games for, for, for a while. So this is not something that you're kind of bringing in and it's uh, completely new because I know like even the, at the beginnings of uh, first 3D games, even before Quake and Doom and all those, yeah there were uh, examples of um, composers and sound producers to trying to kind of adapt the music and change it depending on the turn that you make and the context that's inside the frame. Um, but those were very old games, very primitive. Um, I'm wondering if you can uh, kind of explain how does it work with modern titles and maybe talk a little bit about the amazing demo that you made where wherever you look uh the guy starts singing so i some would say that it's all scripted and uh it's just like a bunch of scripts kind of like in the in a row but maybe you kind of go more about the details and explain how does it work and how can it be kind of like leveraged to build your own score for the game and make it truly adaptive First of all, you're onto something because you said that there's been a lot of, of uh, examples of this in the past. And that's completely true. Uh, everything before PlayStation 1 was adaptive. Because the only th thing you could do with music back then was to make it adaptive because the sounds weren't actually there. <laughs> you, you, couldn't, you couldn't amaze people with the sounds. With uh, PlayStation 1, with the first, uh, you know, the CD, 
and so on. You can have real music, if, if you will, so not uh, synth MIDI-based music. So it's been kind of the dark ages for adaptive music for, for a while <laughs> since then. Um, and uh, for me, with, with Elias, I, I wanted to, to have the same quality I would uh, I would uh, I wanted to make to use real music in my case it was a real symphonic orchestra in my first game uh, to make that adaptive but with that said we also brought in MIDI in last you can do it the old-fashioned way with the sound libraries as well and that is even more adaptive of course because you don't have to think about crossfades and things like that um, but so some of the things Elias brings to the market is actually not that new uh, for people that remembered the 90s. <laughs> the difference is we do it with real audio and real music. And in the 90s, we, we did it with, with the media and synths. So in, in, uh, in the demo level uh, that we released today, uh, we wanted to, to show this. We have a lot of demos in this level. We have one. Martin Barbie, my favorite composer in the world uh, who works for us, made an uh, amazing adaptive um, demo for, for one of the levels. Uh, but the other level that you are talking about now, we want to really show how adaptive it can be. And we have, we have this bard guiding us through the level. So every time, if you look at something and, uh, and you want, in this case, if you're on, uh, you walk into the level, you want this guy to see that there's actually a, a treasure uh, under the water. So this bard will say, uh, sing, <laughs> why don't you uh, go and look for the treasure? I think you, you want that. And if you just jump in the water, he will say, say something, sing some, something uh, sarcastic, sarcastic like, uh, you know, I don't think you have gels. I, I think you need air to breathe and so on. So, so he will be, he will taunt you a little bit, but he will help you, and you will know that okay, I need to find some equipment to dive and and, and uh, take the treasure, and and um, I think this is the first demo level. Normally, when we do demos, we always talk uh, uh, and do tutorials and we explain what, what is happening and so on. We, we don't need to do that here because we actually have. And the funny thing is the guy singing it is Philip, my, my co-founder. Uh, so it's his voice. But it will work anytime. Also, if you just stand still, uh, the bard will, will remind you, but hey, aren't you going to find some money so we can play in this dice game and so on? So, so this demo that we, we did was more, more showing exactly that uh, flaunt the 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 new the new feature of Elias, and the other demo that Martin did was more like, this is how adaptive music should sound because it really sounds like any movie, uh, and it sounds like it's written completely for your way of playing it. So, and how is this? Um... How is it integrated into the game? Like, um, yeah. how, great... can you tell us, like, how do you assemble it and how do you actually put this into the game so it all mixes together? Yeah. And now, soon, I'm going to need you, Andreas, but I can, I can start. Uh, Please start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Elias, three. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's uh, have things from LS one and two and so on. So it's an event based system. So so you you place um, triggers in the game that says to Elias play this and play this. The great thing with last three is that you can also say play this action preset, and an action preset is a chain of events. And the longest action preset I've done just for testing it was like five hours or something like that. Elias just did things, um, but but the new project Harmony that we're we're working on uh, is another thing. Maybe you can explain that, Andreas. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, for for the, um, I, I think one point, uh, uh, Christopher, uh, is that also I think with the workflows so, or uh, when it comes to the music, that the composer can really you know complete the compositions uh, upfront before the integration, which is a very nice thing. Uh, so I just want to comment a little bit on the music uh, system, um, and then for the integration. Uh, the, this engine has a, a very, uh, say, very natural and easy API uh, for for the deep integration that anyone would like to use. But we also have plugins for game engines. So for for Unity and uh, Unreal Engine, we have plugins which make it uh, super simple to integrate. Uh, and obviously, there is a flow of the content when you do packaging or cooking uh, of the game uh, and so on. Um, so it's a natural flow from the content creation to the integration, so to speak, and the tech itself is rather straightforward to integrate. Uh, for the audio system, uh, it's uh, it follows uh, a somewhat similar uh, setup, although the audio system um, uh, is... Uh, uh, say the use cases of it and and the kind of expectations of it are much wider uh so there much more you might want to do over an api and so on uh so we're trying to uh provide different kinds of interfaces but uh, but there's of course what we call the like the runtime api which is usually what you, what you integrate from the game engine but there's also content api where where you can you know, make your own toolings uh, uh, towards the engine. And there's an extension API if you need to extend uh, the product as well. So, uh, 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 and for the audio system also comes with uh, pl plugins for the, for the popular game engines, so. Oh, I have a question. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. I mean, I really liked your explanation about the events and, um, how do I say this? So, th there are limits to the control how, how the game developers can control what the player sees, right? Yep. There's a lot of like external and uh, internal uh, tools that they can use. So, for example, they can attract your attention with something like shiny, as you have in the level. Be more forceful, and they can t take the camera out of your control and just put it and the and the at, at the scene or like the set piece that you really need to see and this is where they kind of push with the music you know this is when they want like a strings or what what whatever like depending on what the mood is and all the other stuff but i'm really interested in this idea of event uh based things basically it, it 
and feel free to correct me if I understood wrong. Basically, that if something's happening in the game, if the player is in a position somewhere or the player is in a position and performs a certain action, some kind of music is, is being played. Is this yeah. is the correct way to, to approach yeah. it? I can try to explain it uh, this way. Uh, if you uh, start a car in the game, you will want yeah. it to be very instant. Uh, it's it's an it's a sound effect that you want to be. Now I'm starting the car. Then if you if you're gonna drive this car, you want every everything to be instant. You would, would like the the gas pedal to react directly and so on. With music, it's not always like that. Uh, so you could say that the difference with the music is that instead of just forcing the music to change to something else, you're actually acting like a conductor. You're telling the music to, now you need to change. And maybe the percussion is really fast, so they will change directly. But maybe the string uh, tracks will almost say to you, yeah, we're going to change really soon. We just have two lines more to play or something like that. Mm -hmm. So as a composer, you can have control over uh, the music in a way that you can you can um, make it so it's very direct when you need it to be, but you can give a lot of freedom to the music system when it doesn't need to be so direct. And that's the holy grail for making adaptive music to, to combine mm -hmm. these two. So it will actually, the goal is always, it's going to sound like it's written to your story. When it comes to sound effects, there's so many other things you have to think about. Not only I did some, I gave you some very simple examples, but also what happens if if um, you hear something and uh, it gets blocked by a bus or something like that? How will that um, sound react to that and so on and, and uh, direction? There's there's so many other things you have to think about when it comes to the audio part. But what the common thing between these two systems that will become one one system is one big thing for us. We want to bring back the control. That's uh, the thing. Uh, we started this company uh, to bring back control to the composers. With the audio part, we want to bring back the control to the audio designers. The way it is today with a lot of systems, you you. You design your your sounds, but then you're completely in the hands of programmers <laughs> in the studio. And and I have heard so many horrible stories of what happens to the, to the sound in the end, and so on. Uh, actually, also with music, uh, so you can download the game and 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 you hear, well, all music is mono, and you call the studio and it's mono. Yeah, we know we ran out of space, and then maybe oh, yeah. you just hired the biggest studio in the world just to mix it correctly and, and so we want to we want to solve that we want to bring back control to to the creators if if it's music or a sound that's doesn't matter do, do you do you guys maybe have um like a favorite example or or maybe a couple of uh, games that are using sound and music in in very interesting creative ways yeah, there's so many. Um, uh, of course, I have a lot of examples of games using Elias. But if I if I take examples that are not using Elias, um, 
what is this? Uh, the Witcher 3. Uh, I saw this uh, fantastic um, uh, presentation of that, uh, how, how the music was made and all the limitations they had and still made, it was still a great adaptive score. Uh, and they, uh, it was a very funny presentation also because the way they had to solve it, everything was ha had to be an A minor, for, for, for instance. They couldn't change key. <laughs> but um, that was one limitation and so on. So they said, I, I, the, the, the composers, I can't hear A minor anymore <laughs> because it's so uh, they worked for a long time. Uh, and, and hearing all their limitations, I, I knew that, well, uh, this is why Elias exists because I love their enthusiasm and, and, and their, their, they really wanted to make this great. And they succeeded, but they would have succeeded so much faster with an intelligent system. Um, but then again, I could t just a simple thing. I, I rather listen to the, the the music of Super Mario One than uh, some of the new games coming out, since Super Mario is actually adaptive. Uh, the, the simple things like uh, you're running out of time and the music goes faster. These extremely simple things you do with music is more powerful than hiring London Symphonic Orchestra for and static score i think I, I remember with witcher 3 that you mentioned like the the main joke about it was that whenever you enter the building there is a lady with this tambourine starting the shooting and crying because they, they had this sample where the, there was like a female vocal and like a very high high note oh. she was kind of i was uh, that was everybody was joking about that uh yeah, but I, I agree. Great musicians in, in that game. I, I have to, uh, yeah, it's probably a really good singer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the music there is great. And uh, when you when you talk about another, like if I, if, I, if I need to think about another example of music in a game where it really kind of blends, I don't know, like, like it's part of the game, you don't really notice it to an extent that then it's kind of like, becomes a, a, another layer in this world. I think it's Skyrim. I think Skyrim, yeah. they did a, they did an, a tremendous job because I, I've been playing it not that long ago. And I was like, it, it, you, you cannot put it out of the game. If you put the music out of the game, it loses like 90% of its charm. Yeah. Like, it's just like, a, it's, it's flat then. And then yeah. you kind of go in and there's like from different like parts of it and it changes all the time right from one area to the next like from one encounter to the next encounter from like one quest to the to the other like uh, this is like what um kind of like the power of guess music and video games is right because it's it's so kind of like you said it's kind of in the background but it influences you and all, all of your experiences and adventure that that's where I, why it's so powerful so since you guys are um, kind of connected with composing and all that stuff, I, I kind of need to ask you this. When do developers, when should developers start thinking uh, about music in their games? So when is a good time? Because in majority of cases, they don't really think about it. They, they think about mechanics, the visuals, you know, all those other things, the monetization, Music is something that's left kind of like in the 
the field? Yeah, uh, I mean, for me, I have kind of two answers to it. I, I just uh, I I made, I made the music for it takes two haze uh, like game recently, and that was a very special project because every level in that game is unique. So, so it, it's a new music style every level and so on. So we had to be we had to start really really early to to make that. I think we, I think we did thirteen hours of music. In that game, uh, it's kind of a record, I think. <laughs> but uh, on the other hand, uh, as a composer, um, you would like to do it last because everything is done. You want to see the complete, uh, like in films, it's really annoying if you do music for a film. I've actually experienced this. I did music for a whole film, and then they told me, well, we, we just edited it again. Uh, and I had to redo everything because as a composer for for a film score, you you actually are exact down to frame. So it's kind of the same thing with the game. You want to come in later <laughs> than the others, but not too late. <laughs> uh, so so it, it, it's hard. Um, it, it depends on the game project, of course. If you have really good prototypes, yeah. If if you have really good um story if if you, if you can imagine the game really good in the early stage then you want to go in early i know there are different examples there are there are guys who are i mean programming and music it's kind of like close because it's all kind of math in a way yeah. Yeah. and i know a lot of developers are actually uh composing music for their own games. Like a, a very good examples would be uh, Stardew Valley. So he actually built, he created like the, the graphics, the engine, and he also built the music for, for, for the title. But um, sometimes when it's a very big production, when there is a lot of people involved, um, they don't really have the music in the beginning, right? When they're doing vertical slice on when they're doing, um, prototype or something and what they're trying to do is they're using temp music they're using temp yeah. tracks temporary uh, tracks and uh, there is a lot of debate on this so a yeah. lot of people are saying that it's a horrible thing to do um so what's what's your take on it do you do you feel like this is a solution or you should move away from it like what's how do you solve this uh, yeah, I could say this. Uh, you have to have the right composer for the vertical vertical slice, hundred uh, percent sure. So, anytime after that, it's too late. <laughs> so, so, so. Um, but then I think you can. It depends if it's going to be. If you know you're going to have a real symphonic orchestra, there's a lot of work with the scoring and and uh, and everything. Uh, so, so then you you need to come in very very early. The only thing why I'm a little bit like this is sometimes you experiment a lot when you do a game. Uh, you, you're moving in one direction, and if you, as a composer, put too much love into that, uh, let's say this is a space game, and you 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 put all your energy into writing music for this, and then suddenly they say, well, it's going to be underwater. Actually, uh, very strange example, maybe, but but uh, it's hard to to as a composer just leave the first idea that you had. Th that is why I think in Hollywood it's very very um, when you do 
movies and you have the spotting session, that is a very important tool that the composer actually look at the movie for the first time and almost done movie. Um, they want him to to wait until that <laughs> because too early you can you can start common things that isn't really the core thing of the story and things like that. But but it's, it's yeah. a balance. It's a balance. You should never wait until the game is completely finished, of course, but maybe not in the start as well. So. Yeah, I can say Go just. Ahead, uh, I mean, it's uh, both for composers, but also for sound designers. Uh, mm. uh, always, uh, the feedback we we get is uh, very much that um, they come in a little bit too late and have too little time to produce something of the quality they have the ambition to do. So it's uh, important for us to enable them to get in as early as possible in the process in different ways one thing is to be able to you know try out your your content even before it's in integrated into the game if you have a, a system where you can use say you use temp music but it's at least a temp music for the right composer then you, you don't have to start from scratch after the the vertical size for instance so yeah i think the main um... Kind of the main complaint with temp music and what Andreas mentioned when you're using maybe temp effects or something and just download it from the library to play around is that um, they stick. So even when you finally decide that you don't want to do this, like you want another effect, but in your head, director, producer, game programmer, everybody, they, they really already heard that music. They already heard that effect, they're kind of married to it. And what you end up doing, you're creating kind of similar, something similar, right? So it, it's not really originality. And there is a very good case about it for um, music and Marvel films, uh, where they kind of launched the Iron, like there is a scene in the first Iron Man where Tony Stark is building the suit and there is like this minimal kind of like a techno or something is going in the background. And then in every other scene, in every other movie, they have the same music with a little yeah. bit of variations, kind of like, it's just, uh, it just feels like such a shame when people are investing these billions of dollars in these franchises and they're doing this crazy CGI and then they don't, which is not true, right? Obviously there are talented composers and talented people who are working on it, but they are not giving like the creative freedom to kind of do whatever they want just because of the temp, because it's kind of already narrowed things down and you can't go outside it. I think that the software that your guys are building and providing is especially valuable for games because in games, it's all about iteration. Like you said, you can start in space and you might end up under water and that's, that's normal. That's just video games. Yeah. So it's nice to have this flexibility and, uh, just opportunity to iterate all the time. I think that's that's kind of like the key in you know in, in any kind of product that's doing sound design for games. Yeah, and you're onto something because because um, the the product that we will release <laughs> uh, soon, which is a combined project with the music system, uh, we're changing a lot of things in the music system. Um, because it, it could be like this when, when you do a video game and you think about the music and, and they could say like 
or we don't have time to make it truly adaptive. Let's just make uh, normal stereophile musics. And in all of these cases, if you at least, you, you can also do that in our technology, but you can put in your simple music in the game. And then when you feel like uh, maybe a little bit more complicated here and you add something, and then you are starting to building the adaptive music instead of taking a, a really big decision early on uh, that is going to be completely adapted, then it, it, it might scare you. So, so, so um, I, I don't know, know how, how you said it, but it's very important to experiment in the same uh, technology that will stick in the, in the end of the game, that it, it's uh, scalable, if you will. Okay, guys, I, we're kind of already at the end of the session. I had two more questions. So um the first question is how do we like if somebody wants to try this uh alias 3.3 or your next product where do you go like do you, do you have official website do you sell it anywhere on like steam or somewhere and uh, how much is the software what's the license and you know yeah those uh, kind of questions uh, the answer to the first question is very easy uh, just uh, go to uh, elias.com and you will see the release and in that release. Uh, Eliasoftware.com, sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah. sorry, Eliasoftware.com. And um, you can just uh, download uh, Elias 3.3, and, and that is a complete product. It's 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 been around for a long time, a time and this is the update, and it works in Unity and Unreal and wherever you want it to work. Um, and uh, it's free to use as, as a composer. Uh, with Harmony, you can download this. Uh, this is the first beta of Harmony. You can uh, download it for, for Windows, and it works in, in uh, Unity Unreal as well, and download the, the, the demo level and so on. So that's, that's really easy. It's just uh, a couple of clicks away. <laughs> that's a completely different thing because it, it, it very much depends on what um, uh, game you're talking about and what studio and so on. So, so uh, our license uh, is uh, differs a lot from from uh, small indie games up to AAA uh, big games. So it, it's um, it's um, negotiations uh, with us, and we have you can pay up front or you can have a, um, a rev share deal. Uh, we're very you do rev share, right? So yeah, if you want that, we can. It's it's we do that. How does it work? So you, you get a percentage from every sale of the game in perpetuity or to a certain... It could be every sale of the game or it could be engagement, how many users daily and, and things like that. It depends on if it's a... It, what kind of game it is, actually. Uh, because <laughs> we have freemium as well, you know, we just start playing the game. So it's... it's, it's you have to base it on what kind, kind of project it is. But of course, uh, RevShare is very, very attractive for, for indies and, and uh, startups and so on, just to try the software. Yeah, but if you end up doing music for like Amanas, then yep. you're basically set for life. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. don't have to worry yeah. about this anymore. Nor normally, you have some kind of roof, of course. Uh, so, so that roof, uh -huh. like, yeah. So you don't have, uh, you, yeah. But but we we I get it. 
we, when we started Elias, we said that we were going to have a really clear fixed model. And then we realized, okay, there's no really clear fixed games. So how, how, so I think we have, uh, uh, we've, uh, um, have very uh, different deals for different studios and that's just the way it is for, for us and all other middleware companies, I think. Interesting. Okay. And the last question is, so out of all the composers who work in games, um, who are like your favorite ones? Whom do you, who would you recommend listening to, to kind of understand that how complex and interesting the music for games can be? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> uh, you can name like a couple, don't have to go. Yeah, Gary Scheinman, um, and uh, of course, the one I'm always mentioning, and, and it just flew out of my head. But I can mention Martin Parabé again. <laughs> uh, why Why can't I remember? Andreas, can you help me? Do you have any? <laughs> uh, this is your field. <laughs> I'm, I'm just a tech guy. It's my field. Uh, no, but... Um... Ah, I'm good. Good things. It, it's com I'm completely blank, blank now. But That's let's fine. say I think maybe oh, if you want to mention like classic classics is this uh what was it uh, Monkey Island uh, yeah it's yeah. always referred to when it comes to adaptive music. Yeah. <laughs> but but I, I don't I, remember I, the music though. <laughs> I have to mention Robert Lundgren. Who did the music for uh, for Mutant Year Zero? It's a really great uh -huh. adaptive game music composer. So check him out. I got it. Okay, guys. And well... Andrea King. I, I can. I can, now. I just remember all of them. <laughs> cool. Well, guys, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for uh, spending this hour with us. It was a very interesting conversation. I hope we will have you, uh, you know, on our podcast maybe. In sometime maybe in a, in a year or something so we can discuss your next releases and new stuff that you have in the pipeline absolutely sounds great thank you so much for and now i remember jason graves was the name i i uh -huh. okay <laughs> cool. right, we'll leave the links in the description so you can check out the website and download the demos and play around with it so super right it was so nice thank to be here for joining guys thank you Thanks for enjoying another episode of the 80 Level Roundtable podcast. Check out upcoming episodes on the 80 Level website at 80.lv. Join our career site at 80.lv slash RFP. And share our podcast with friends and on your social networks.